0: So we're in this season of Lent, or 40-ish days to to Easter. This time of the year is so important for us as Christ followers, and over the next few weeks, we're going to walk in the way of Jesus. So we're going to look at Jesus as he slowly walked to the cross, and we're going to spend a ton of time in Matthew 3 through 8. So if you want to do things throughout the week, I'd encourage you just to spend some time reading Matthew 3 through 8. That's where we're going to spend a ton of time. Today we're talking about Jesus' baptism. For some of you, you're going to remember back to your baptism. And for some of you, you're going to be thinking about all the excuses that you've made over the years on why you have not been baptized. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 13 through 17, just a small section today. Remember, whenever we read Scripture, it tells us about who we are and it tells us about who God is. Okay? So those two things are always playing. I want you to use your imagination because here we're seeing a jam-packed... In these four verses, we're seeing jam-packed story happening here. Okay? Verse 13, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John... And then look at verse 14, but John tried to deter him saying, Jesus, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And I love these three words, then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove upon him and enlightening him. And then verse 17, and a voice from heaven said this, This is my Son whom I love, in whom I am well pleased. Uh, Today, one of the the many things that we could focus on, but we're just going to focus on one thing, is... With baptism, I want you to start to understand the word identity or identify. What What is happening in baptism is you and I choose to identify or be associated with Christ. It's our way of starting to walk with Jesus. When we enter the waters of baptism, we proclaim the gospel message. What we're saying is Jesus died for our sins, was buried, and lives again just like what Easter is all about. By joining in baptism, we identify with with him. Romans 6, chapter 4 says this, that we've been buried with him through the baptism into death. Through baptism into death. We're now dead to the power of sin. Being raised up out of the water expresses our new life in Christ and our union with him. If the meaning of baptism could be summarized in one word... That would be the word identification. See, baptism speaks primarily of a personal yet public identif- identification with Jesus. Our world that we live in encourages us and it's kind of the MO for us to look within ourself for identity. Our natural tendency is to search for identity in external things. One of the first things that you may uh, look at the first places that you may search is to be tempted to look at your career I spend my time and my energy pursuing my career. It can cause me to feel like that's a defining characteristic of who I am after all the job that you and I serve in Usually takes up most of our time most of our life most of our attention See, jobs and careers are closely connected to other places where we can search for our identity. We suddenly see our job and then we think about money, our financial success, our status. But it doesn't stop there. For some of us, we might look at the relationships that we have. We might look at our appearance. We might look at the grades we get in school or even the reputation that we have. It always provides a sense of identity. Any or all of these might feel like they're really solid, but none of them are permanent. See, any of those things could change without warning if we base our identity on success, wealth, power, physical appearance. You're setting yourself up for some great disappointment. A sudden job loss, which some of us have had, could leave us questioning our choices in life. One piece of gossip aimed your way could destroy your reputation. Even if that gossip is untrue. For some of us, our appearance has changed as we get older. Except for Jean, who's 89, and her appearance has not changed. (laughs) God, however, is unchanging, God is reliable. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you and I actually find our identity in Him, we will never ultimately be let down. Because He has proven time and time again to be trustworthy. It's important as we define our identity that God not just be an aspect of who we are. Like, I'm a Christian, I'm religious, I'm spiritual. See, understanding our identity actually starts with understanding who he is, what he says about himself and what he says about you. Your identity can easily be summed up in this statement. God is making you to be in his image, the Imago Dei. So who are you? Who do you think that you are? See, one of the the pieces of following Jesus Being a disciple of Jesus is actually to walk in the way that Jesus walked. Jesus is the model for life and ministry. When Jesus waded into the Jordan River to be baptized, both he and you and I were forever changed. Jesus was about 30 years old when he walked into the water. He made the request and John did what all of us would do not a chance. I don't want to be baptized. I don't want to baptize you. I need you to baptize me. Look back at the, the scripture we read today, Matthew chapter 3, verse 15. Jesus looks at John and says, let it be so now. It is proper. It's the right thing for us to do, to fulfill all righteousness. What did Jesus actually mean that his baptism would fulfill all righteousness? Like Jesus, we don't seek baptism because this is what God has told us to do. He has, of course, told us we should be baptized, but that's not to test our faithfulness. Instead, it's to assure us of God's faithfulness. Baptism is not what we do for God, it's what God does for us. When Jesus told John that he needed to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness, what he meant could be easily understood if we picture the scene, and use your imagination, where John was baptizing. Since all of Judea, the the people who lived there, were coming out to be baptized by John, there must have been hundreds of people waiting in line for this baptism to occur. Now, I don't know about you, but it's never fun waiting in a line. <laughs> Among all those sinners stood Jesus, the sinless Son of God, who had no need to be baptized. So we ask again, why was Jesus Why was Jesus there? He didn't belong, but then Jesus didn't belong in many of the places we find him during his earthly ministry. He didn't belong in a manger as a helpless babe. He certainly didn't belong on a cross, dying like a common thief. So once again, what was he doing in those places? He was saving us from our sin by taking our place in the places that we hang out. That's why Jesus stepped into the Jordan River. Jesus was signaling his intent to take our place under God's judgment. It was actually harder for Jesus to walk into the water of the Jordan River than it would have been for Jesus to walk on top of the water. Let me say that again. It was actually harder for Jesus to walk into the water than it would have been for him to actually walk on the water. Why? Because hundreds of sinners had been in that water before Jesus. How clean do you suppose that water was? I'm talking about the sin that was washed off with the application of baptism. Sin, which Jesus as the Son of God would have easily detected with his omniscient eyes, and sin, which would have turned his stomach as the Holy One, Eventually, all of those sins would stick to Jesus on the cross instead of sticking to us. Remember 1 John nine: If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The, the cool thing with this story in Matthew is God the Father actually showed up that day. Listen again to verse 16 and 17. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, in whom I'm well pleased. Well, that word, alighting, isn't a word we use very often. (laughs) Here's what alighting means. To descend from or as if from the air and come to rest to land, to settle. I don't know about you, but normal parents aren't happy when their children hang out with the bad kids. (laughs) But that wasn't the Heavenly Father. He was glad that His Son actually chose to identify Himself with sinners. For it was this very reason the Father sent His Son into this world so that He could save us who are rebellious sinners. Remember Jesus' words in Mark chapter 2 verse 17? Jesus said, It's not healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not call, come to call the righteous, but I've come to save sinners. The Father's pronouncement in Matthew 3 was important for another reason on a human level. Remember, Jesus was 100% man and 100% God, and on a human level, what god was doing for jesus was he was giving jesus encouragement when satan in matthew chapter 4 which we'll talk about next week or wicked men would later challenge jesus saying if you're the son of god jesus could look back at his baptism and say to himself i'm god's son he said so at my baptism would jesus really need that kind of comfort and encouragement after all he was the son of god He knew exactly who he was and where he had come from. Yet, but as true man Jesus, he needed to rely on his heavenly Father. The other cool piece of this story was the Father sent the Holy Spirit who drifted down on Jesus in the form of a dove. With the fullness of the Spirit, Jesus was now equipped for his awesome task of redeeming sinners. We have all three people of the Trinity here. It's a pretty amazing scene. It's too bad we have pictures of the Last Supper hanging in some of our homes, but not this picture. See, water baptism is a is symbolic of his death. Christ's death was a form of baptism. He entered into death for you and me. When Jesus, sorry, when James and John argued about who would sit on his right side or who on his left side, Jesus said in Matthew chapter twenty, verse twenty-two. You have no clue what you're asking. Can you drink the cup? Can you do what I'm, a- I'm going to drink? What I'm going to do? Of course, they said, yes, we can. They didn't know Jesus was talking about his death. So baptism identifies us with Jesus Christ. Our sin is put on him, not in him. That's an important distinction. Being identified with Christ saves you and me. He identified himself with us in baptism the lord jesus is now identified with his people through baptism and god the father and the holy spirit give their stamp of approval what a cool savior you and i serve all right so why water water is one of the most powerful elements on the face of the planet The the flow of water over the ground for an extended period of time will result in a riverbed and possibly, over a significant number of days, a river valley. We can all remember the flood that happened many years ago and the destruction that it had. But water is really important for industry, for fishing, for recreation, for boundaries, for crop irrigation, for transportation— In our homes, water is used for cleaning, for bathing, for preparing meals. Our body weight is actually made up about 60% water. Our health and survival is determined in many ways by water and hydration. Science and experience has shown us that a person can survive without food for about three weeks, but humans can only survive approximately three days without water. You and I need water for life. Water is both powerful and fragile at the same time. 70% of the earth is covered by water. And it's one of the most important natural resources we have. The lack of availability of clean water is one of the causes of poverty and disease in this world today. Water is vital to the sustenance of humans and animals and vegetation. Care for the earth's water supply is essential. For us to keep surviving in this planet all right that's a great science lesson matt thank you images of water are part of the hebrew and christian texts way back in genesis 7 it provides us a glimpse of water as both deliverance and destruction water is the means of deliverance of the israelites from their captives in exodus Isaiah 35 and Amos 5.24 depict God's justice in water imagery. John chapter 4 provides the story of the woman, the Samaritan woman, who needed living water. Jesus is found teaching and traveling along water. Jesus utilizes water for healing. He uses the image of water actually as a teaching tool. I could go on for hours and hours on the images of water. But Jesus' baptism is different. In his baptism, we get a clear sense of who Jesus is as God acknowledges Jesus from the heavens as my son, my kid. It's profoundly important. This profoundly important moment is the start of Jesus walking into the wilderness and beginning his public ministry. So we hear the affirmation. We witness this preparatory act for completing the task before him. We also hear God who says to anyone being baptized, I love you. You're mine. I'm pleased with you. Powerful affirmations or blessings that we receive from God. God. And so Jesus submits to the baptism as a fulfillment of God's righteousness. Here, here's the key, if you're nothing else today. Some believe that this act of baptism was not only modeling uh, submission and a commitment to his coming mission, but it was also an act of Jesus going, "I'm with sinners." I have solidarity with sinners. I want to be with the people God loves. See, standing in solidarity with those who often feel unworthy of God's love and grace is a powerful act that is vividly portrayed in this text and throughout the ministry of Jesus. But then we have John the Baptist. Everything about this moment is contrary to what John believes, wants, and expects. You and I have been there. We know what that's like. What do you do when prayer is not answered? When your budget doesn't work out? When your expectations are not met? What do you do when your plan doesn't come together or a relationship ends or your life is interrupted? What do you do when it's a hard day and you just want to say no and run away? In Matthew chapter 3, the verses we read, it sets before us two choices. We can either resist, forbid, and try to prevent what is coming to us, which is what John wants to do. Or we can permit it and let it be, which is what Jesus tells John to do. I love those words that Jesus said to John, let it be so now. And then John does the smart thing. He consented. (laughs) What if that was our way too? What if Jesus is saying to us this morning, let it be so now? What if you were being asked to consent? The consent to which Jesus calls us isn't simply giving up or approving or agreeing or just going, okay, I'll do it. It's a way of life. It's about Jesus' way of life. It doesn't always mean we have to like or want what is happening. It does, however, mean that we have to face it and deal with it. Consent means we show up to our life and be present whatever is before us and whatever is coming upon us. Even if it's difficult, painful, or the last thing you wanted. Consent isn't about being in control or having all the answers. It doesn't mean, it means, sorry, it means we don't turn back or run away from what is happening in front of us. We don't have to do everything that is set before us, but neither can we resist doing what is ours. Consent doesn't mean passively accepting whatever happens. It means being active, giving ourselves to the circumstances, relationships, and the people before us. Friends, it's an act of risk and vulnerability. It's a profession of faith, hope, and love. It means staying open and remaining receptive to whatever in that moment is being asked of us in the name of God. Friends, as we journey to the cross, that's how Jesus lived his life. Jesus' life was a continual yes to the world, to you, and to me. He lived a life of consent. He consented to bring good news to the poor. He consented to welcome the outsider and the foreigner. He consented to hospitality for the hungry and thirsty. He consented to forgiveness for the woman caught in adultery. He consented to raise dead Lazarus into the fragrance of a new life. He consented to compassion and healing for the blind, the deaf, and the lame. He consented to abundance when the wine ran out. He consented to be a servant of all and wash dirty feet. He consented to peace and nonviolence in a world of swords. He consented to speak the truth. He consented to struggle with God and himself in the garden. He consented to courage and perseverance as he took up and carried his cross. He consented to reconcile with Peter after Peter denied him three times. He consented to humility when the soldiers mocked him and beat him. He consented to life in the face of death. Jesus never turned away, backed down, or withheld his consent. He was present. He showed up to whoever and whatever was before him. Every time that Jesus consented, he stepped into the river of humanity and immersed himself in the waters of your life and mine. See, consent is an act of solidarity, a standing with someone else. Jesus asked John the Baptist to stand with him. Jesus stands with you and me. Friends, that's how I want to live my life. I want to be a continual yes to the world and others. I want to live a life of consent, don't you? So what would that look for you What would that look like for you today? What would it mean for you to give consent to the people and the circumstances before you? It might be in your parenting. It might be in your work. It might mean caring for one another, speaking out and acting for justice, being present with one another, working on your recovery, healing a relationship or setting out in a new direction. The opportunities for us to consent come to us every day. Maybe you're being asked to consent to love, forgiveness, peace, compassion, welcome, courage, hope, and beauty. What is being asked of you today? Every time that you and I consent, we wade into the deep waters of life. We stand with Jesus in the river of humanity, and together we fulfill all righteousness. Because nothing gets left undone and no one gets left out. So what do you need to consent to in your life? For some of you, you might need to consent to get baptized because you have put it off for too long. Let it be so now. We, like John, would maybe prefer a Jesus who looks less humble and looks way more powerful We'd like Jesus to be less vulnerable and we'd like Him to be very victorious. John the Baptist wanted Jesus to take over preaching that day, to fill the air with words that were even more fiery and images that were even more arresting than John's own sermons had been. But Jesus held back. He was silent. He was humble. He was vulnerable. Yet somehow it is maybe Jesus' silence that saves. Before the gospel is finished, Jesus will quite famously stand in silence before the likes of Pontius Pilate. Jesus quite consistently seems to know more than he's willing to tell. And yet it's somehow precisely in these moments of holding back This willingness to say little or nothing that manages to make everything work out in the end. Sometimes it's the silence that saves. Or at least there's more going on in the relative silence of things than we know. It's not empty silence, but pregnant silence. It's possible, it's fully possible, that few, if any, noticed anything unusual about that particular baptism. We don't expect anything unusual to happen. And to our watching eyes and listening ears, nothing does happen, either nothing beyond what we expected anyways. The heavens are opened again so that we could get at God and God can get at us. The spirit of peace and whole and uh, wholeness descends to make a little one holy. And the Father's voice issues the decree of adoption into the divine family. May it be so. Let's pray. God, thank you for the gift of your baptism. Lord, we count it a great privilege as my friends come up to lead us in worship. I'd love to pray a prayer blessing over my friends. So God, in the next few minutes, may you orchestrate this in a powerful way. We ask this in your name. Amen. I'd love for you to stand. I'm going to pray a prayer blessing over you. If you feel comfortable, open up your hands just as a receiving posture. I think there's always health in us modeling what our heart is saying. And so just open your hands. God's love surrounds you. God's spirit guides you. God's whisper cheer you. God's peace calm you. God's shield protect you. God's wisdom arm you wherever God may lead you. In anxiety, may you find peace. In sadness, may you find comfort. In sickness, may you find healing. In loneliness, may you find company. In busyness, may you find space. In listening, may you find wisdom. In following, may you find hope. In the one who meets our needs, who says, ask and you will receive. May the love of Christ be active in your heart. Be heard in your words, be seen in your actions, and inform your choices today and all days. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you His peace. Amen.